Hello, and welcome to Find Your Center. I'm Kim Perrone, Certified Life Coach with the Center for Clarity, Compassion, and Contentment. I know that's a mouthful, so I call it Center 4C. But the name is meaningful, and these qualities of clarity, compassion, and contentment are what we all need more of. So I thank you for listening. I'm here today with Tisha from the Slightly Unmeditated Podcast channel. Of course I am, and I'm blessed to be talking to her every week. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm lovely. How are you? (laughs) I am very good. I'm in a very summery mood, and that's why today's topic, episode 43, is why doing nothing is something. What do you think about that? I love this because, like, one of the first Find Your Center episodes that we did, um, you taught me that doing nothing was okay. Uh, Let me start by saying doing nothing without feeling guilty was okay. And that it is, you know, we, we are not human doings. We are human beings. So we need to recharge and we, we need our own self care and we need to be able to give ourselves some peace and a break. And it's, it's summer as of this recording. And so I, I was seeing a lot of articles about taking a pause, taking a break, how refreshed and recharged they uh, they were after taking a break, and it just made me think to do this episode. And there's even a funny kind of meditation expression that that, that says, uh, "Don't just do something; sit there," <laughs> which is a play on mm. the old saying, "Don't just sit there; do something." I love that expression. Because I think about it often. I still will get the guilt that, oh, I'm just going to sit here and chill out for 30 minutes. I'll still kind of sort of feel guilty, but I'll remind myself. Like, I have to actually say to myself, this is okay. This is how you recharge. And and it really is okay. I mean, it's great to do things in the world. It's it's great. We, we're, we all do lots of things. We work. We have families. And our culture has sort of gotten on a little hyperspeed where if we're sitting still, we're uncomfortable or we're having a stream of thoughts. And we've talked tons about overthinking and ego and things of that nature and why we would sit still and feel uncomfortable about it, whether it's guilt that we're not doing enough, whether it's um, just overthinking, fidgetiness. Um, And I think really doing something, anything that's a pause or a break for you to refresh. We would never expect our cell phones to work if we didn't plug them back in. So what is that break that that makes you feel plugged in? How do you like to take a break? Well, (laughs) unfortunately, it involves television a lot of the times because I will see like a new documentary that I haven't seen before, like a commercial for it or whatever. And I will get so excited for that day and I make a point to like sit down and kind of do it right away and not keep putting it off because I have this to do and that to do. Like, and then I kind of walk away like happy that I, you know, gave my mind a break. I learned something and then I, you know, got back to whatever I have to do. And I'm realizing that the more I'm doing that, the more I have to do that. Or like, I then I can't focus in work. I can't, I can't write because I'm kind of thinking about, oh, that's going to be good to watch or whatever. It's not, 
And I just have to follow my instinct on that, I think. Yeah. And anything that makes you feel a little more inspired. I like to sit by water, any kind of water, whether it's a pool, lake, or the ocean. I love to sit still. And it's funny because people tease me a lot or they go, oh, I don't know how you read so much. And I say, I sit still a lot more than you do because <laughs> luckily I get to read for my job as well, which is a great bonus for me. A lot of reading, um, things for work or when we do off the shelf or reading for another podcast, in addition to anything I might be reading that's fiction. And, you know, one of the things that I was thinking it is it's, we talked about well-being in past episode, and it's really key to our well-being that we do, that we don't always feel like we have to be moving and shaking and doing because really what's under that is a sense of worthiness. If I'm not doing something, I'm not worthy. I'm unproductive. A lot of these negative connotations. Um, and it's just not true. Uh, you, you can continue to be worthy when you're sitting still. You, you, you can sit still and it's not, uh, an unworthy endeavor. And it's not that you are no longer worthy, not, you know, doing enough in the world. Right. I think that's probably what I struggled with the most is that if I wasn't doing something, how's it all going to get done? And how's it all, you know, and then what I've come to realize is when I'm more centered and rested and like had that mental health break, that I can do things better. Mm-hmm. But it never occurred to me in 40, you know, 47 years before this, it never occurred to me that that might be the way. So thank you for that. You're welcome. It's an ego driven construct, like, and it's a fear driven because of that fear driven, not enough, not enough time, better do this, that, you know, have so much to do, so much to do. And it leads us to this feeling that there isn't enough time. And it's this stressful feeling. And I think it's exceptionally important to take the time for ourselves. There are, there are things there are reasons. So I wrote down a bunch of notes that I, of things that I wanted to say under this topic. Um, you know, cultivating connection in order to cultivate connection with others, we need to make sure that we show up and we're not too busy to show up and sit at a picnic or a party or at someone's house, uh, for coffee. We have to make sure we're not too busy to do that. And even though that technically is doing something, I, it was just one of the first things I thought is we live in this crazy, busy society. Like, are you crazy? How are you? Oh, I'm so busy. You know, that often we know that we're postponing get togethers with people we care about because there just isn't the time. Right. But we're just not making the time. Is that accurate? I think so, because I think sometimes, and you know, not 100% of the time, but uh, we, because we feel very driven about a lot of things, how they have to be done, and they have to be right. And we might be fretful over time and not enough time. So I was just imagining like, a like a luncheon and all the girls or guys, whoever get together, and they say, well, how have you been? And and instead of saying, oh, my God, I've been so busy, like everybody does, what if someone actually said, 
oh, I've been resting so much. <laughs> like how that would change the conversation, right? Without a doubt. Isn't that great? Could you imagine hearing that? That would be so wonderful to just imagine hearing someone say, oh, I've rested so much. And that is so culturally rare to hear. Um, another thing that we do when we are doing nothing is befriending ourselves. You know, I want to pose the question to listeners, are you comfortable or uncomfortable when you're just sitting with yourself? And this, this is a deep question. This is a deep question. A lot of people may not be comfortable and maybe it's because of negative thinking or that sense of urgency. I'm not doing enough. Um, but building and cultivating a, a good inner life and being able to be a good, good company for yourself. And so that you could sit by yourself and feel comfortable and not feel agitated, um, is a, a point of well being. And, and if you do sit with yourself and you feel uncomfortable, that is just a place to begin. There's nothing wrong with you. That's kind of a normal thing. It's just more about the fact that. I want you to know that if you could sit in stillness and if you find the right scenery to sit and look at water and ponder or sit in meditation or just take a, take a load off, right? Old expression, take a load off that, you know, it's a beginning to you just spending a little time with yourself in rest, waking rest. I do that quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I'm living like a monk over here. Yeah. So you're good. You've got yourself befriended. You've befriended yourself. That's right. It's all good. Absolutely. It's all good. Another way to do it, if someone is new to this as a novice, would be to connect with your senses. So when you're sitting there feeling like, this is awkward, I never just sit here, <laughs> you can think about what do you hear? What do you smell? Um, those types of scent, what, what can you feel? You know, are you feeling the seat, the cushion that you're sitting on? Are the birds chirping? You know, do the flowers smell if you're outside and just connect with your senses. If you're inside, there might be a hum you didn't notice before. Just if it's awkward, um, or even if it's not awkward. That's, that's one way to kind of sit in stillness if it's awkward for you. Any thoughts? No. No, but I did want to point out, I do that sometimes where I'm kind of overthinking or something like if I'm outside and I'll remember like, listen for the birds. And it's so crazy how the birds had been there like the whole time and I never noticed them until I noticed them. And then they're like so loud and so obvious. And it, I do this quite frequently, actually. And I'm like, I'm always so amazed at like, how did I miss that? Yeah. So it's a, it's a nice reminder of how, of how much it works. It is a great reminder at how much it works, like how much we tune out and, and that we're tuned out to the present moment because we are thinking 
and our thinkers are on, you know? And so I just thought it's funny thing. Have you ever heard, you know, when people's thoughts jot around, jet around and they feel like they have like adult ADD and they go squirrel, you know, and we all know what they mean. Well, in this context, we could be like, okay, if that starts happening, go squirrel and actually pay attention to a squirrel. (laughs) Like (laughs) if you're outside, go find, find a squirrel. When you start noticing that your mind is squirreling around, go look for a real squirrel. (laughs) I have these hummingbirds that live in the tree next to my house and they've been coming to my house for years. I assume it's the same family. I don't really know them personally, but I put feeders out. And this year I was very religious. I've been very religious about feed, about filling the feeders and I make my own solution and stuff. And, um, I'm always like really attentive because they are so frequent. They're not afraid of the dogs and stuff. So I assume they've been coming around for a while. So yesterday I was outside and I had my back turned to where the feeders were hung, but I picked up on this buzzing, like, really loud and like they were doing drive-bys past me and stuff and I'm like what is going on like they're particularly buzzy today and I turned around and all the feeders were empty it must have been windy and all the stuff leaked out so I was fascinated by that for the rest of the day that I had picked up on the fact that they were kind of like hey trying to get my attention um because I kind of sit with them every day and and I guess they're getting used to it so that's why it pays to pay attention. And we can pay attention when we slow down a little. There's nothing bad about slowing down. And I think I think we just have such a societal connotation that slow is bad and fast is good. And it's not always the case. Um, society has this importance on, you know, doing over being and, and we're all trying to this, this whole show and coaching and, and what you do on the slightly unmeditated podcast is sort of trying to find that reconnection with our sense of beingness and not this go, go, go fast culture that's really driving us to being burnt out. So in all my documentary watching, when I see people who change their lives so drastically, it's always, almost always, because they are tired of the fast pace, they can't keep up, or they just don't want to keep up anymore. So it's kind of mind-boggling still that people take the the busy, I'm, I, I'm so overworked, as like a badge of honor, and then... And a lot of the people, too, I see the stories where they're like billionaires or whatever. So I guess they're kind of secure. But a lot of people who are doing really well, they end up giving up all that stuff because it's just not worth losing losing their mind and the peace in their life. And then they go live in some island hut or whatever with nothing and are happier than they've ever been. And you bring up a good point I want to make too is we, we have these connotations with laziness, with sitting still. And that those two things don't necessarily belong together. I mean, we can be someone who accomplishes great things in life, great things in our work. Our work might be very busy. Uh, I'm sure any paramedics, they're very busy people, sadly, right? We need them. We need them to hustle when they're going to an emergency, but 
So not to be confused with the fact, like all or nothing, you know, oh, we're all supposed to not go fast and not do lots of things. I just mean, it's let yourself without guilt, do nothing and be sometimes and then find those moments to reconnect. Now, some people are better at this than others. And some people like a friend of mine said, I just never really knew. And you kind of said the same thing. You echoed the same sentiment. I didn't know it was an option without guilt. Yes. And I would feel, so what the guilt felt like to me was just constant running intrusive thoughts. Well, you should be mopping the floor or you should be working on this and you should be, should be, should be. I was shooting myself into insanity because I didn't know that that's what was happening, right? So I had to get an understanding of how that inner voice is separate from who I am. So that's a, it's like a two part kind of lesson, both parts of which you've taught me. So once I had a, a grip on one of those about the inner thoughts and why it's, you know, it was a lot easier to just kind of, you know, grab a snack and settle in for an hour of of just learning something new, taking my mind off all the stuff I have to do here and my responsibilities. And it still took me a while to get used to it. But, but once I started noticing the change in my productivity levels later, then I just, there's no going back. Yeah, we do for the purpose of living and some of our doing is getting in the way of our living these days. And so... We do need to remind ourselves we're not robots. We're not robots. And you mentioned it in the beginning too, is like to, to actually l- allow yourself to have that break and enjoy something, you know, you enjoy learning. So that's something that you were looking forward to sitting in and taking in where as a writer, you're doing your work, you're pouring out, you're taking in uh, reading to, to be able to turn around an article. And so I think it's really, it's really good to, to define what it is for you that that recharges you and that inspires you for different people. It's going to be different. Um, I like to read a lot and I need a lot of time to read. I think I had mentioned that already <laughs> shows you how much I like that. Um, it's one of the other things about sitting, kind of sitting still doing nothing sometimes especially for me, just taking a break from all the talking and all the noise. Um, I just feel like we live in very noisy world in society where, you know, whether it's the TV, the commercials, the chatter, the talking, and, and just a break from the noise. I like the silence. I like silence a lot too. So sometimes when I'm in the house, I might actually be doing something, but I, but I'm not, I don't have anything on no radio, no podcast, no TV, just, just kind of me in silence. I was just telling a story the other day when I first moved to where I live, I had lived with my parents for a little while after my daughter was born. And it's a small town, not that busy, but it was, it was a main street they lived on. So it was a lot of traffic, you know, noises and things. So the first night when we moved to our house in the country, 
it was not only so dark outside that I was afraid, but it was so quiet that I didn't know how to process it for a couple of weeks. Like if you're standing outside, it was like spooky quiet. Uh, I have that a lot now, so I'm, I'm kind of used to it. But I now I see other people when they come by and they're like, it's so quiet here. <laughs> and I think that's why I love living here because I can go outside and read without having, you know, hordes of people walking by or being interrupted outside of the occasional lawnmower. Um, but that fascinated me because it it wasn't like I moved to this house from a large city where everything was, you know, going on 24 seven, but it was just subtle enough to be like, wow, this is, this is a difference and I need to get used to it. So I don't think people maybe are afraid or or don't even understand what silence really means. It's not just not talking or something. I noticed that because I had a similar experience. We moved from a house on something of a main road to a house on a side street. And it was so different. The sounds were so different. Well, actually, there were two times. So one, it was really loud because we were, we were the second house in from a stop sign. So everyone's like going through their gears as they go by your house. And then it was like kind of a, a country road that gets a fair amount, not, not too far out in the country, fair amount of traffic, which was like whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And then we went to a side street. So there was, you know, it could be a while before a car comes by. So just noting the difference when it really stood out to me each time when we were new in the new house and, and, you know, a lot of that noise and stress, you know, it makes me think of stress, like that noise or busyness, even, you know, whether it's all the doing or all the noise around us, um, competing for our attention, things are competing for our attention. Maybe it's even our loved ones sometimes, but it's like, it can all be too much. And in the stress, we know that stress leads to wear and tear on the body. So when we know this, you know, we want to make sure that we are having t periods of rest, periods of calm, periods where you are maybe just doing nothing and enjoying it, relaxing, and whatever nothing means to any particular person. But the cost on our bodies of not having any room for that in our life, or the cost of maybe even our mental state, we don't even realize. We don't even realize the mind might, might actually just fill in with more worry, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking that when I fall asleep at night, I have the TV on because I can't fall asleep when it's like real quiet. I don't know why I feel like I need to like concentrate or something on on something outside of my thoughts. Like I should be I should probably be a little better at this being a meditative person. But um, I don't know, it just helps me and I, I can fall asleep right away. But I notice when I travel with other people, and we're in the same room, and then they're they don't fall asleep with the TV on. I am like, oh no! <laughs> so I have headphones, which isn't very convenient when you're trying to lay on a pillow, but it'll it'll help me enough that I'm you know I'm able to fall asleep. Well, you bring up an interesting point that you are listening to the TV to fall asleep instead of your own thoughts, and in that way, it helps you. 
Oh, a thousand percent. I see. I see. And I see, you know, just knowing what we know about those stream of thoughts and that chattering monkey mind, how that's helpful. And so I can't sleep. I can't fall asleep to the TV. And um, my husband has adapted, (laughs) which is nice of him to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I thought of another thing to discuss too, because I see it a lot in coaching. I think, so sometimes people who do a lot, you know, the expression, give a busy person something to do and they get it done, which is great. It's a compliment to a busy person. It just means a busy person knows how to get things done. And then, you know, you're finding the busy person and you're going to give them something to do and they get it done. A lot of times in families, there's somebody that does a lot. They clean a lot. They take care of others a lot. This happens in the workplace too. There's somebody that always gets stuff done and they do a really good job. They're very diligent. And that's a person who tends to build resentment because they look around and they're doing a lot more than other people. And what happens is other people look at them and say, she she loves this or he loves this. He loves being busy. He loves doing all this stuff. He needs to keep busy. She needs to keep busy. And so sometimes it sends a message to everybody else that that's what you want to be doing, everything. (laughs) And maybe you really want some help. And right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm thinking of like any person who is a parent (laughs) listening to this right now, for sure. But I do have those things too, where if I say like, hey, can you do this? And then somebody kind of doesn't do it in there, like, right away. Like, I I don't know how to come back from that sometimes. I struggle in that where I can't just, like, let that happen. So for for the simplest situation is there's dishes in the sink. They should go into the dishwasher. Hey, can you put those dishes in the dishwasher? Sure, no problem. Twelve hours later, it still hasn't happened. <laughs> So it'll drive me to a point where I have to do it because Mm -hmm. I need the sink cleaned or, you know, whatever that situation is. And I've never been able to overcome, (laughs) overcome that kind of a situation because I end up doing it because I just need it done. Right. And so if other people aren't on the same plan, I don't know how to get them on that plan. Right. I'm sure that's so common. Very common. Very common and very hard because different people have different ideas about how things should be. That's actually very difficult for marriages and especially early on when you're settling in to living together and, you know, have different standards for things. So, the, you know, probably children, they're always going to frustrate us on the things that they're doing or not doing. So like a parent child example may, may not apply here because you're going to, you tend to do more and, and, but you know, maybe in the workplace and in extended families, you know, if you're the person always cooking and cleaning up after everybody, you know, maybe it's okay to ask for help. And, and also when you need a break. So it's hard to ask for that too, but asking for when you need a timeout, can you, I'm thinking of people with little kids too. It's like, I need 10 minutes to myself. 
Can you watch Junior? You know, that kind of thing. We don't like to ask for help, but sometimes we just get frustrated and resentful if we don't. So to be clear with our, you know, request and, and it's okay without any connotation, um, negative, of course, everyone could use a break. And in fact, it's funny when it comes to breaks, one of the things I thought about when I thought about this topic was Brene Brown. Um, she has her podcast. So she has two podcasts and she basically announced that they were taking three months over the summer off, mm. you know, oh, I didn't know. Yeah. That. And, and wrote it and just said, we work really hard. Um, we, but we really want a nice break. And, and apparently they wanted like enough of a break to really recharge, come back energized. They also do corporate training, leadership training and things like that. So I can see in that type of work where taking a break to truly deeply disconnect from work so that you can have that space. Space is very important to thinking thinking big thoughts, not like just the stream of consciousness. But, um, and I thought that was very brave, very brave. Cause think about how many people would feel afraid. Oh no, if we take a break, everyone's going to forget about us and not listen and not call for, for things after those three months go by. Yeah. See, I'm on that track of thinking too, right? I don't feel I mean, maybe you feel differently. I don't feel the need to take a break from doing this. Uh, we might after all the technology problems we've been having. So maybe that's coming up for a reason. But I think I would be that person that would be like, you know what? We all need three months off. Let's do it. You know, maybe maybe not that long. But at the same token, I I wouldn't be afraid because I think the people who would stick around other people who should be listening anyway. So I am of the same kind of mindset and I'm getting better at it in my personal life as well. Like I said, taking more breaks and designing my, in fact, I do it so much now that my former routine doesn't even make sense to me at all. So I'm having to adapt to my own like changes if that makes sense. It does. It does. And I, I saw more of it, you know, I saw a great, great article by a marketing professional too, about the pause and recharging and how important it was. Someone reposted it and I, I read it and it was so much about well-being, and it's so tied in. It's just, and then I, and then I was on LinkedIn and I saw there was like a community nonprofit organization leader who was announcing that she was stepping back. She has two young children. So she was leaving to spend more time with family. And I had done that at a certain point in my career. And, and, you know, obviously none of that's doing nothing. It's just more now this is sort of the territory of not feeling like you have to do everything. So maybe this is the opposite is not feeling like you have to do everything that you have choice. And how often do we feel like we don't have any choice? And so some of these breaks that people are writing about, um, are some, I'm sure that they had, a, did a lot of thinking about it and made a hard decision. So there's, um, a spiritual person that I follow, and I'll just say because people listen on both shows, but um, Abraham Hicks is always 
been saying like it you'll never get done it it doesn't matter what it is it'll never get done and very forcefully says that all the time so that was sort of my first introduction to that like oh yeah yeah that's true you know and and then when you say well you only have one life and 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 all that i take all that stuff to heart you know you only get one go around the sun and so why would i kind of focus on a bunch of stuff i don't mm-hmm. want really to do and this isn't even spiritual this is just sort of a logical thing for me that why would i just focus on doing all the stuff that i really don't want to do i don't have like infinity uh, well that's a whole other story <laughs> but you know what i mean so i I really took that to heart. And, and once I would say that to myself, like, you know, you're never going to get it all done. And then you're, you start to realize the wisdom in that, like, oh, yeah, you're not. And where are we all rushing off to anyway? And what are we trying to prove? So the spiritual kind of level of this is, this is our life. These moments of your life. And so sometimes when I justify times when I really want to chill out and do nothing. It's like, I don't want to hate my life. And if I never take a break and I, you know, I don't have times of rest, I'm going to end up not liking my life. And people do get there. I see them in coaching where it's like getting to the point, which is a, it's a natural point. It's a good starting point and calling a coach. If you feel like I just really don't like my life, it's probably because you have too much crammed into it. And it's dragging you around. And that is a good time to call a life coach and just get clarity on what you want to spend time doing, you know, and what you don't want to spend time doing so that you do have some time for nothing to, you know, that's doing something sometimes that is just chilling out. That is relaxing. That is recharging. It is a form of self-care. And if it makes you anxious, there might be some other thing that you do during that time. I think we do need to know what we like to do. Right. Yeah, well, that was anxiety. It was the reason why meditation was difficult because I couldn't sit still and feel like I'm doing nothing. Like, how could I sit here for a whole 10 minutes and not do anything? That is insane. But... You know, once I started understanding the benefits of that, and that took me for a long time. It wasn't like an overnight situation, as we all know. And so now when I can sit still, I, I'm, I like, I'm grateful for that. Like, oh, I just was able to sit here for 20 minutes and didn't overthink it. This is congratulations. <laughs> so it's always a work in progress for me. <laughs> yeah always a work in progress. And I think that that is true for many and, and it, it, for all in life, for all of us in life, we're a work in progress as we mature, as we grow, as we learn, you know, it, we get clearer and clearer on what matters to us and what doesn't matter to us and what we need to do to take care of ourselves you know, we get clearer. We hope we get clearer and clearer as we, as we get older. And I saw this article heading and, uh, it was in the Harvard Business Review and it was, it was about leadership. But the title of the article was, Are You Too Responsible? And I thought, what a great 
topic. And, and it did talk about, are you doing too much? Are you doing too much to try and help other people or to do, you know, and, and getting yourself overloaded? And this could apply, it applies in the workplace, but it can apply in homes too. Yep. And I'm guilty of it. And then I think a lot of it had to do. So I was the volunteer parent for everything because not many other parents would volunteer. So the show's got to go on. Somebody's got to do it, of course. So I would do it. And I really did enjoy a lot of that volunteering. I, I mean, you know, any kind of job, run a whole raffle. Sure. Run the concession stand. Sure. You know, I didn't have a problem doing it and I did like it. Then when it came to a point where I was tired of being the only one doing it and then I had to leave, it was really difficult for me because I felt then like I was letting everybody down and how would they ever go on without me? <laughs> and, and then in some ways, you know, it went off without a hitch. And then in some ways people are still emailing me, Hey, do you remember what we do about this? So, <laughs> but that really caused a lot of burnout for me, a lot of that volunteering and, you know, uh, there was good and bad to it, but I got to a point where I just couldn't do any of it anymore. And I had to, I had to leave it behind because it was, it was just draining me constantly. And that there's a great term for that is the resentful yes. So in coaching, we, I talk to clients who are maybe overloaded and over busy. What is the resentful yes and no resentful yeses? So it's the yes you say yes to because you were flattered that you were asked, but then you start to resent and you go, why is, why am I the only one doing anything? And as whatever that thing is that you said yes to, as you start doing that or get approaching the date, you start to feel like you didn't want to do it. And so it's a nice, quick way to remember no resentful yeses. Your yeses should be real things that you want to do out of the, if it's a volunteer thing, out of the goodness of your heart, it, 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 or if it's family or whatever, you know, sometimes family's hard because we do have to do things we may not want to do, but it's one of the things you want your yeses to be legitimately authentic yeses and not resentful yeses. You can say no, as the author Anne Lamott says, no is a complete sentence. So that, you know, that's where sometimes people have no time to do nothing because they are all jam packed because they said yes to everything. Right. So I'm guilty of that for sure. I'm definitely better at it now because I know what my limits are. And I like to say I know when to hold them and when to fold them, like the great Kenny Rogers once said. <laughs> but I, I use that actually as uh, a bit of logic for uh, across my, my whole life. You know, you got to know when to hold them, when to fold them. So I am better at saying no. But I think if it came back around, especially like you said, with family, it does make it a little bit more difficult because then, you know, they take it personally or they just, you know, do the whole guilt trip kind of situation. So it's tricky. It can be tricky and it can actually be a time management thing too. So you may have to be proactive and block that calendar for time to yourself 
time to do nothing, scheduled time. Uh, being proactive is a little bit helpful if you want to schedule a day that you're just open. And, and even some clever scheduling, like packs things that make sense together if you have control over doing that. And maybe, maybe even I'm just talking about weekends. You know, for most people, when you're off of work, try and be strategic so that you do have time. And it's funny because sometimes I ask groups, I go, who feels like they need to earn their time to sit still like on a Saturday afternoon or earn their, earn their time to read their book or do their hobby? And, you know, the whole room raises their hand. And in, it's funny. We kind of learned that in our domestication when we were young, like, you know, work and then rest. And so, I think we live in a culture where people are just like working all the time and we have technology and remote work that makes, that kind of messes with that schedule. So um, definitely be strategic and make sure it doesn't always get pushed right out of the way. Um, make sure you have time for you. Yeah, even working at home, I have that problem because my work doesn't, I can't just leave my work at work. Like my work is here. So it was, uh, it was very much a juggling act for me to find balance. I still struggle with that because I'll get into a groove of doing like non-work things and I'm like, Oh, I have to work. And it sort of takes the wind out of my sails because I can't just call in for the day off or something, you know, it's, it's my responsibility to get it done. Mm. One of the things that reminds me of too is, um, oh gosh, I just lost my thought. <laughs> Try not to do that, but, um, different work styles, definitely, you know, a work from home situation, um, s people that are self-employed. Okay. My thoughts back. Phew. Wow. <laughs> is in a busy life. Okay. So it's the busier you are, it becomes very counterintuitive. Like your ego is going to tell you, you have no time. You have no time to do nothing, but it's actually the time you need. A, a very, very busy person who's stressed, who has a lot of stress, they are exactly the ones that would need to create some of those spaces to do nothing, to calm their nervous system, to rest themselves, to get their, you know, maybe their heart rate down and just take some deep breaths and sit and do nothing. As much as the brain would try and tell them not to, they possibly and potentially need it more. And that's the time where you feel like you can never turn your brain off. You know, I, I remember just even the power of intrusive thoughts, like they were just roll right over me but no one ever told me I didn't have to think them like I didn't have to really believe what was happening that they could just roll on by I didn't know that and and it's kind of sad because I I think so many people in society don't know that they they're so conditioned to like sit at your desk and work and you should work till 8 p.m. every night and be stressed out because everybody else is and you know you can't be different than everybody else so yeah that just just as a reminder i think this whole episode is just a reminder and i challenge everyone to just think about what is your brand of nothing you know what is your sitting and doing nothing look like and get in touch with it 
and know that it's not doing nothing. It's actually just practicing being in the present moment and, you know, listening to the sounds around you or, you know, focusing on your breath, even not a formal meditation, just sitting in nature, doing nothing is something. So with that, I hope everyone's feeling a bit more centered. Thank you, Tisha. We'll be back next Tuesday with another edition of Find Your Center. You can reach out to me at kperone at center4c.com or connect with us at the Slightly Unmeditated Facebook or Instagram page or email us at goodvibes at slightlyunmeditated.com. That's all for today. I'm Kim Perone helping you to find your center. Each time you do, you build a better world. My heart is full. Thank you for listening. I look forward to connecting with you again. Until next time, I wish you clarity, compassion, and contentment.